Welcome to the Branches Podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. Are you happy? You ever had anybody ask you that question? If I ask that question to some people, if they pause a little bit, they start to tear up. Happens to me as well. Primarily because we can see the ways in which we aren't happy. And we assume we're supposed to be happy, and when we're not happy, it makes us sad. Even more sad than we think we already were. My friends told me about a podcast, and so I looked into the history of it, and turns out there was a professor. This is very recent. It's all fresh. She is a professor at Yale. And she saw all the students that she had, her students, and she could feel the increase of depression, anxiety, stress, suicides. And so she wanted to do something about it. So she created a class called the Science of Happiness. And like anything you start, is anybody going to come? Is it going to be good? Is it going to make a difference? But she did it anyways, thinking maybe I'll have 20 to 30 students or so, so many students signed up for the class that they had to move her to a concert hall. And the concert hall on campus was so packed, people were standing. And the class got even so much bigger that she couldn't even have it anymore in the concert hall. And so she had to go online. And then she had to hire all of these assistants because there were so many papers to grade. Eventually, she realized that the desire, the hunger for this content was so great that she turned it into a podcast. And so someone told me about that podcast and it just intrigued me, the whole story behind it. And so what she's trying to answer through this podcast called The Happiness Lab is can, through science, can we figure out happiness? So we're going to talk about that. But we're going to talk about it from the perspective of what Jesus taught us about happiness. Because he addresses it. But what she said in her class, I think, is important. There's so much I learned from listening to the different episodes. But it was a common theme. A theme that we hear in the teachings of Jesus. They pretty much match up. And I don't think she's a follower of Jesus. But truth is truth. And it matches up. But one of the things that was said in the podcast that I thought was very appropriate, not only appropriate, but just true, and it paints a picture. Um, One of the scientists of happiness, one of the researchers said, you can't stay in a state of happiness. It can't be done. And yet when we're not happy, we feel like we're doing something wrong, like we're supposed to stay there. And he said, happiness is like a vacation. You can plan for it, you can work for it, you can set everything up, and you can even go on that vacation. But when you go on the vacation, eventually it has to end. Now maybe you figure out a way that you can go on vacation and stay longer and longer, but ultimately we weren't meant to live there. When you look at scripture, when you look at truth, When you look at science, 
Maybe we're trying to aim for something that doesn't exist. So what does it mean to be content? What does it look like to have anxiety and depression be gone? Because that, that's different. We're not meant to live in depression and anxiety and stress. So what do we do? And there was a man that was so stressed out that in a huge crowd, he just spoke up on a topic that had nothing to do with what Jesus was teaching. And he interrupted. But Jesus responds, dealing with the issue of happiness. So let's look at it. Uh, If you have your Bibles there, open up to Luke chapter 12. And if you're online, you can easily hit pause, grab a Bible, grab your phone, download the app, whatever it takes, so that you can see Jesus' teaching with your own eyes. So I'll give you a minute to do that. All right, so here we see this man in Luke 12. uh, And let's look at verse 13. So someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to defy, to divide the inheritance with me. So what he's basically doing, you can picture it, can't you? Like this man just red flushed face screaming from the crowd. He's just, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. And Jesus says, who put me as the judge in this situation? Which is actually a reference to something else in the Old Testament, but we'll move on. He says this though, he says to not just the man, but to all of them, he says, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. Or another word for that is greed. For one's life, their soul, does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Now this is translated many different ways, but what Jesus is saying is, you need to beware. You need to be on the lookout because your happiness that you're searching for will be stolen, will be taken away because of the abundance of possessions. He doesn't say it there, but then we move into the story. And remember, Jesus tells these stories with an intent and a purpose, and he's doing it to address the state this man is. The state that this man is in is one of anxiety, of stress, of hoping that maybe if he got a little bit more, and specifically we're going to talk about finances, but in general, this greed that he is warning him about is this desire that we all have within us to have a little bit more. And we're not looking at how it affects other people. We're inward. We're selfish. We're looking at just ourself. That's what greed does. So it says here that he told them a parable saying the land of a rich man produced plentiful. So can you picture this? It's a farmer. Now, when we hear these stories, we, we, we have a hard time putting ourselves into it. So we think of this man, oh, he must be very rich. This, this, the land of a rich man. And so we can't compare. It's a farmer. He's just a farmer that's doing very well. And almost all of you, to some degree, who are listening in right now, richness is defined as the lack of poverty. Now, you can 
markedly research evidence data-wise, be happier when you reach a certain point of income, when you can have shelter, when you can eat, and you can be healthy. Those three are, that's, that's the line. But for almost all of us that are listening in, you're not part of that 1% or less. You're part of the 99%. So 99% or more of you that are listening in right now, you are rich. Whether it feels like that or not is not the point. You are. So he's talking to us. And this man has plenty. And so this man thinks to himself, what should I do? Because he's had this bumper crop. For I have nowhere to store my crops because he's doing well. This is like one of those seasons where a check that you didn't expect came in or you got an extra job or extra work or an increase or you switched jobs. Whatever it is, you've got more all of a sudden. But he has more. And so he says, hmm, what would I do? I'll do this. He says, I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all of my grain and my goods. So Jesus is painting what this man is doing is what is wrong. But it's not the fact that he's planning and he's saving. There's nothing wrong with that. That's, that's just smart. In fact, I'm sure all of the people in their community knew that he wasn't only wealthy, but he was wise. So it's not the fact that he's saving that's the problem. It's why he's saving, and it's especially what he's missing. And that's why Jesus tells the man that interrupted and all of us, beware, be careful about the abundance of possessions. So he goes on, and I will say to my soul, and he literally says, soul? So he's talking to himself in the third person, so to, so to speak. You have ample goods. You've got plenty laid up for many years. So relax, eat, drink, and be merry. So again, let's talk about what Jesus is not trying to draw our attention to. There's nothing wrong with relaxing, eating, drinking, and being merry or joyful or happy. Jesus was not an ascetic. It means he didn't go, we need to be miserable. We need to strip everything away. He turned water into wine. He ate. He was with his friends. They laughed. He had moments, he even said, you need to relax, you need to rest. It's God-ordained. So it's not that this man is not supposed to ever relax, eat, drink, and be merry. It's something else. He's moved past his needs, and he's turning now to trying to create security for himself. He's trying to take a piece of control, and he's not turning to God He's turning to his own means and he's forgotten everyone else around him. You see, because something that we don't think about, which is very important for this culture at this time in a small community, is that if he's holding all the grain, he's also stopping economy. So more so than today, by him doing what he's doing, he's affecting all of his neighbors simply by putting it all into these bigger barns. He's, he's kind of putting a cap on other people being able to buy it, other people being able to eat by the, the exchange of goods. And we don't have enough time to get into all of that, but he is looking inward because that's what the abundance of possessions does. It causes us to look inward. 
So God responds to him. And this is the way Jesus says it. Remember, this is a story that Jesus is creating to get our attention. God says to this man, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Now, we look at this story and we're thinking, that's fantastic. I mean, that's what I would do. I would talk to my, I would read up on it. How could I invest? How could I save? How could I prepare for the future? But this is different. Now, that doesn't mean that we're off the hook. We still need to beware. And I want to draw our attention into what does it mean to be rich towards God. So in God's eyes, this man is a fool, not because he's saved, not because he's going to build bigger barns, but the reason for which he's doing all of this. Because now his possessions have control of him. When we hear this story, we only think about the fact that the man's going to die and he can't take the U-Haul with him with all of his stuff. So what's the point? No, it's deeper than that. Notice it says here, this night your soul is required or demanded of you. But by who? See, this is where the English language and the Greek language just kind of separates. So you look at some translations and you read that and you miss it. But some translations, two in particular that I'm thinking of, say this night your possessions are demanding your soul. Because that word required of you is in the third person. And it's, I mean, it, it, sorry, it's not in the third person. It's in the plural, which means there's multiple demanding. Well, what's multiple in this story? His possessions. He's saying your possessions have controlled you and they, they need to get paid now, so to speak. And so remember when Jesus said later in Luke, you can't serve money and God. You can't serve God and possessions. So this man doesn't even realize it, but he's turning to these possessions to save him. And by doing that, He's losing his very being. So we need to be rich towards God. What does that mean to be rich towards God? This is a little bit trickier to explain. But it's also very simple. It's tricky because it means to surrender to God and to um, be obedient to him. And by doing that, we then become rich towards him. We're, we're preparing, we're thinking about how we can love God and love others. And that's when it gets a little simpler then, doesn't it? Because if we're going to be rich towards God, we're being rich for God, which is a tricky, slippery slope. So we have to truly understand what we're doing here. I think a very practical thing for us to do, and I want to close with this, is I think that Jesus is telling all the people that are listening in, and particularly this man who wanted this inheritance, that this money, these possessions, what you are begging me for, what you think will fix your problems, what you think will provide you that contentment, it's not going to work. In fact, it's going to do just the opposite. You're turning for hope in possessions. You're turning 
for sustenance to be sustained by things. And they don't last. And he goes on, Jesus goes on to say, don't save up where moth and rust destroy. So he builds these bigger barns, he puts it all in, you know what could easily happen? Rats. And then it's all gone. Nothing here is meant to last. And at any moment, it can be washed away. So many of us have experienced that here in 2020. I remember in 2008, when so many had their possessions washed away. It's not something to put your weight into. And so Jesus is imploring and pleading with us to not just listen in, but to hear. There's a crowd around him. But as we know often happens, very few take his teaching or his stories and really do it. He goes on to say in Luke, right after the story, he says, look at the birds. God takes care of them. Look at the fields. He's going to clothe you. He's going to feed you. He's going to care for you. But when you look to possessions to do that, it's not going to bring you happiness. In fact, they will end up controlling you. Do we believe this though? Because we don't live this way. We continue to fall in these habits and these patterns and we listen to the world and we start planning. I loved it with what one financial planner said. He said, you come to me and you come for this wisdom and this guidance on how to save and to plan financially. But I'm going to ask you a question because I want you to be more happy. I want you to be content. I want you to have what God has for you. And he said this. I know what your savings goals are. I know what your goals are for your house, but what are your giving goals? And so he shared this with this couple and they were dumbfounded. And I'm listening in and I'm thinking, I don't have any giving goals. I've never even considered it before because the world doesn't consider that. We think that if we get more possessions, it's gonna bring more joy. So why would we have giving goals? We'll do that when we have just so much stuff that we, we gotta get rid of some of it. We've gotta change our thinking. We have to beware. We have to understand that the abundance of possessions can turn us inside and take away from joy because the joy only comes when we look outside. We're gonna get more into detail with this with next week's message on who do we give to and how do we give and how do we manage that and how much do we keep and how much do we give. But again, I wanna bring us back to this man that interrupts. He was filled with anxiety. He was probably flustered. All his blood vessels were filled. And so his face is red, might even be sweating and he's spitting out the words because he's so angry because he thinks that his happiness is being taken from him because he thinks his brother's not gonna share the inheritance. But instead, Jesus is saying, what is your giving plan? This man in the story I'm telling you about, he had no plan to give. He just wanted to hold and to hoard. Let's be set free. What is your plan? What is your giving plan? And so for the next two weeks, I want you to wrestle with that as an individual, as a family, 
this has been tough for me because as I've been wrestling with this, I'm like, okay, what do we do? I got this stimulus check. Do I really need to keep it? Or is there someone in greater need? How do I figure out? Do I give it to an organization? Do I give it to a person? God, what should I do? And there's so many needs and how do I? So we're going to spend some time looking at that. But I'll close with this. So I've listened to much of the Happiness Lab and it's, it's very interesting, but it really doesn't answer the question of happiness. It shares what science has to say about it. But there was something specific that just caught my eye and it seems to be repeated as a thread through all of it. The two things that seem to come up over and over again is to be grateful. Grateful for what you have. Because grateful people seem to have, spend the most time on vacation and happiness. And the other one is, is to live a life where your eyes are turned not towards yourself, but outward. You're thinking and you're giving towards others. Not just financially, but in all different kinds of ways, you're looking outward. The same words that Jesus taught us. You're gonna do anything, do these two things. Love God and love others. To be gracious and show gratitude and thanksgiving for what God has done in view of all of God's mercies. To then give yourself as a living sacrifice. To who? To God. But how? By loving others as you would want to be loved. So that's where we're at. We'll talk more about that this next week. Um, but let me close with the words that Jesus continues on with um, in this Luke chapter 12. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. God bless.